Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 374. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's going pretty well. Can't complain. No complaints nice. this week. Good. On the show, this week we'll be talking about She Dies Tomorrow by Amy Simitz. We'll also be going over what we've been watching on the watch list and covering this week's VOD and Blu-ray releases. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a moment, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be super helpful. Don't really have much housekeeping. Uh, The July Blu-ray giveaway has ended. We gave away a copy of the Bruce Lee, His Greatest Hits collection. Oh, yeah. On Criterion. The the new giveaway for August hasn't been posted yet. Um, I need to figure out what to give away. I don't know yet. I, I didn't. I didn't look ahead. I didn't look ahead to see what's coming out. Honestly, there's another box set coming out. What is it? Is it good? That that Varda box. Set oh yeah, that Varda box. Set. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Maybe the the Bruce Lee one was the first box set we gave away. I, I don't plan on doing that a lot just because they're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> all box sets all the time. <laughs> yeah, I go broke. Honestly, though, it worked out because. The Barnes and Noble fifty percent off Criterion sale. Perfect. I got it. Uh, I bought it during that, so I'm like, sweet, save save some money there. Nice. Uh, I didn't get a copy for myself either, so the only copy I have is going out. It sold out everywhere too. I was gonna buy another copy because it's just easier to drop ship this stuff from Amazon to the winner. But and that's what I normally do. But in this case, it was sold out. It sold out on Amazon. So, yeah, I'm just gonna send out my copy, unused, by the way, unused copy. Okay. All right. Let's talk about she dies tomorrow. As I mentioned, this is written and directed by Amy Simetz. I have a synopsis here. Amy thinks she's dying tomorrow, and it's contagious. Mm-hmm. Look out. Kevin, we'll start with mm-hmm. you. What were your initial impressions on She Dies Tomorrow? Oh, man. This movie. Uh, I, really, I don't know what to think. To be honest, I don't, I, this, is, this is a tough one for me. I've been mulling it ever since I watched it. and mulling over it while I was watching it. All that, that kind of stuff. I, the, the idea is a very intriguing one to me. And I like I like the ideas in this movie. The execution, though, is a bit scattershot for me, especially like the opening, like 15 minutes or 20 minutes was just that was that was difficult to get through. I'll be honest. I was ready to turn this thing off. It wasn't happening. It kind of won me back towards the end once, you know, more people and, you know, more people actually talk to one another yeah i, I found that very welcoming <laughs> it's um is, oh my god this is so this is so funny because ex- everything that you're saying is like a hundred percent what i was thinking the whole time yeah i mean thank god for jane adams because she's the only one that really like kind of discusses what's going on and kind of talks to numerous people and like trying to figure out what's happening or at least just talking through what is happening, which it really, really helped. And for me, because um, everything else I thought was just 
I don't it didn't really work for me. I found myself really struggling to keep my attention on this movie. I, I just I don't know. I don't know what it was about it. It it I was not very engaged during this either. And I think maybe part of that is like it's it's dealing with a a subject matter of like mortality and something that I'm constantly like in fear of. <laughs> so yeah. like I feel like a lot of times I am Caitlin Shiel in this in, in this scenario and in that regard it, it I sort of didn't want to see a movie that was that <laughs> self-reflective. Yeah. I can see that cuz you're just like this is my life. I don't like I'm living this. Yeah. I don't need to see it <laughs> minus, you know, the 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 flashing lights and the, yeah. the, the garbled soundscapes. I frequently lay around on the floor just rubbing my fingers on the wood and just going into my garden and just rustling around in the dirt. Yeah, you know. I just like to rustle around in the dirt. And that's what I mean. Like, that that idea of this kind of contagious, like, existential dread, I think is really intriguing, very compelling. So there's part of that, like, when I when I detach it from the movie itself right and just kind of think about the idea of this movie it's really interesting to me but i like i can't just divorce that from the actual experience of watching this movie because the actual experience of watching it was a bit difficult to be honest yeah i agree i I think that there's a lot of of interesting concepts being looked at here i think that the fact that it it happens to multiple people so it is this like contagious thing where one person gives it to another who gives it to another and so on and so on and i think that the how each of these people reacts and they all react in their own way and how it sort of reflects some kind of like liberation like knowing when you're gonna die when the end is gonna happen it sort of allows you to be completely honest with yourself and those around you. And I think that that's yeah. kind of a, you know, that's kind of a cool concept to explore. We saw it a little bit in a movie like melancholia. For instance, I was, I, for some reason was reminded of melancholia while I was watching this. And so I think that it, it does do some, some interesting things, but f- the overall package, I just, I couldn't really get on board with it. And the way that it ends, I found to be pretty unsatisfying as well. Yeah. And I feel like it's just a bit over reliant on the, the flashing colors and the garbled soundscape. The, I think it's, was it, is that a Mozart song that plays like over and over and over? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Like I'm saying that's like 15, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes where it's just Caitlin Shiel. Right just her and her new house just playing that song over and over again touching the wood grain yep flashing lights oh man that was that was rough now in between these in between these sort of existential dread moments you have the it sort of intercuts these flashbacks where we get to see a little bit of the backstory of caitlin shield's character none of the others for some reason the other the others just pure dread just them dealing with what they just learned. 
But with Caitlyn, Shelby do get a little bit of backstory with like she has a at some point she had a relationship with uh, Ken Tucker Oddly's uh, who was playing Craig in this. It should be mentioned in addition to Caitlyn Shield and Jane Adams, you have a really good cast in here. Mm-hmm. You have Katie Asselton in there, Chris Messina, uh, Tunde Adabimbe is in there, Jennifer Kim. So you, you have um, a good number of people. Adam Wingard, too. Yeah, Michelle Rodriguez shows yeah, up. Yeah, and Michelle Rodriguez, too. Just <laughs> out of nowhere. I didn't know she was in this movie. I had no idea. Nor did I. So you have a really good cast, and I feel like some of the sequences worked. As you mentioned, the stuff with Jane Adams I thought was really good. I, I felt like even though Caitlin Shield was sort of the the main character, I felt like Jane Adams had the most the meatiest yeah. role. Like she had the most to work with as far as like performance. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, uh, overall, I was a little bit. I don't know. I just. A little bit disappointed. I guess I wasn't exactly sure what I was expecting, uh, but it, it it sort of plays out like a psychological thriller, but it's not it's not really that. Yeah, it's it's tough because again, I like that idea of this contagious uh, anxiety slash existential dread, whatever you want to call it, and how you can kind of like bum people out and get them. <laughs> You know, you can ruin a good moment and then have someone, you know, kind of obsessively thinking about morale or immortality and how that can just, you know, completely sink an entire day or or more or longer. But at the same time, I never it was never like this thrilling aspect to me, like, oh, is it actually going to happen? And once it started affecting like everyone, it was just like, oh, okay. I don't know, it just kind of like lost a little bit of its luster. And it wasn't, it like, it wasn't mysterious to me. It wasn't thrilling. I don't know, it's, it's a tough one for me because I'm still not 100% sure how I feel about this. Movie. Yeah, I, I literally finished watching this like an hour before we recorded this. So it's still pretty fresh for I, me too. I'm, I'm a couple of days away from it. And I feel like, I don't, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Cause there's a part of me like the further out again, the further out I am from like the actual viewing experience, it grows on me, but I'm almost certain that I, if I were to go back and watch it, I would be reminded of that actual viewing experience and be like, Oh no, that's right. I did that. This isn't for me. Yeah. As far as like rewatchability, could I ever see myself voluntarily going back and watching this again absolutely not like there's just no way that i would watch this again now i don't i don't base and yeah. mo- most of my criticisms on rewatchability but um for, yeah just for me it's just it was it was a tough it was just a tough watch i did like um the the fact that like each each person was going through their their own their own stuff and how isolation played a part in it and crumbling of relationships and stuff like that. There were a lot of themes going on in here as well. And I feel like a lot of it sort of played into the current. I mean, I think that this is another movie that we can say came out at sort of the right or maybe wrong time, depending on how you're looking at it, just because of 
the isolation aspect of it and the like contagious nature of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, cause you're right. I mean, I think for a lot of people, it's like the headspaces that they're in right now is maybe not conducive to the viewing experience of she dies tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, th- <laughs> I th- and I think that's one of the main things that it boils down to is that I just, no, I'm not in the right headspace to experience a movie like this and feel like I've gained something from it. But directing wise, I thought Amy Simons did a good job. I want her to continue to direct because I think that she has uh, a unique voice and I think that she brings a lot of new ideas to the table. So yeah. I definitely oh, yeah. want to continue following her work. But just for me, this this fell a bit short. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. I agree. Let's go ahead and give She Dies Tomorrow a score. This is a really tough one for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very difficult. For now, I'm just going to say 5 out of 10. Maybe 5. That's, five I think that's... Like 5, 5.5 for me. I think that's what I'm going to go with too. Cause it's also one of those things that I'm still like, I would say, check it out. Cause I think, you know, I, who knows how you're going to react to this. Yeah. I mean, some people might find it somewhat gratifying or even therapeutic in a lot of ways. Yeah. But for me, it was kind of like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to think about this right now. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Uh, Uh, That is She Dies Tomorrow. This is playing in drive-ins right now, and it'll be on VOD platforms August 7th. So if you got the drive-in, check your listings. Check your drive-in listings. Never thought I'd say that. Never thought that I'd be like, it's playing at the drive-in. Go check it out. Go check out She Dies Tomorrow, a small indie thriller at the drive-in. What a world we live in. Amy Simon's movie at the drive-in. <laughs> it's so strange. What the, you see a movie starring Kaylin Shield, Tucker Audley at the drive-in. Yep. It's wild. Absolutely wild. All right. Let's uh, talk about someone watching. Kevin, I believe it is your turn this week. I got to watch two movies, so I didn't get to watch much, but I do want to say I just started something that I'm super excited about and that's rewatching. Well, maybe not really rewatching because I never really watched it from the beginning. Uh, but starting the X files, which has been very exciting. Dude, I, I did that like last, was it last year? I think it was last year, maybe even early, early this year. I did the same thing and I'm, I made it through, you know what it was. We talked about the X files on the the nineties podcast and that got me. Okay going yeah, down that road yeah so i, I yeah um, I, I was doing the same thing fucking love it it's so, so good I man. Just, just, a, just a heads up for you know subsequent podcasts if you're ever thinking to yourself god damn why is kevin only watching like one fucking movie a week that's because all my time's devoted to x-files i'm really excited about this project this endeavor and uh i'm pretty amped but I wasn't able to squeeze in two movies beforehand. 
one of which is The Sender from 1982, directed by Roger, Roger Christian. Uh, this is the guy that directed Battlefield Earth. So this is uh, an early movie of his. Mm. And it's on Hulu. You can see it. You can watch it on Hulu. And uh, this stars a very young Zelko uh, Ivanic. This is like one of his earliest roles. He plays a guy named John Doe, 83. So you're introduced to John Doe, 83. He wakes up on the side of the road and he's just, he just starts walking down the road. He goes to a park, has this little beach. He picks up a shit ton of rocks, puts it in his jacket, and just walks out into the water, tries to kill himself. So he ends up at the, the state mental hospital, right? We have no idea who this guy is. What's going on? Why is he trying to kill himself? All this stuff. Psychiatrist is trying to help him, trying to find out who he is, what's going on. He's not really being cooperative. And uh, she starts seeing him at his house or her house. He just starts showing up and stuff. It's freaking around. Well, here it turns out this guy, he's able to like enter your dreams and or alter your reality and make you have visions, make you see things, that type of thing. He can like telepathically communicate with you. Now, the only thing with this movie is like the, the specifics and the parameters of, of his abilities uh, are never really solidified or entirely made clear, which kind of helps the movie at times. But also uh, at other times, it just makes it seem a little bit messy. But it does add like a level of intrigue to the entire affair. Uh, it loses its way occasionally, you know, like the, the sequencing of events is a little bit a little bit rough but there is like the dream sequences that they do with him are just like the atmosphere to him the way that it's handled is just incredible there's one scene in particular where the other doctor this other guy he's like we need to just shock him we'll just shock the shit out of him and he'll be fine like this is that's all he wants to do he just wants to shock every patient that comes through here so he decides on his own, he's like, I'm just going to shock this kid. And she's trying to explain to him, like, I don't know, that's a good idea. I, mean, I don't think we should shock this dude. He's kind of powerful. So, you know, they prep him. They shock him. And as soon as they shock him, they, like, release all of his power at once. So, like, every, like, people are flying all over the fucking place. And it's all done in slow-mo. It's absolutely incredible. It's such an incredible sequence. And everyone just, everyone in the entire building, like the entire hospital, loses their fucking mind. It's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty fucking great. So I definitely recommend checking out The Sender from 1982. It's a hell of a movie. Yeah, that sounds like one that I'd really be into. Oh, you're going to love it. Let me go ahead and put that on the watch list right now so I don't forget. Uh, I also had a really light week. I saw two movies. The only one I can really talk about is called Host. This is directed by Rob Savage. This came out on Thursday on Shudder. And this is a movie that was shot entirely via Zoom. Now, I initially, I didn't watch this on Thursday when it came out. And I did get, get an advanced copy of it. And I didn't watch it then either. Because I was just like, you know, there's going to be an onslaught of these pandemic movies. You know. Oh, shot entirely yeah. during the lockdown or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, you don't, you don't want to encourage that. Right. There's going to be so many of them. I'm going to 
I'm not gonna like watch them all. I'm gonna bide my time. I'm gonna I'm gonna evaluate them and maybe watch the best one. Well, so that's why I was avoiding it. But uh, I decided to give it a look anyway. I think I saw maybe one or two people on Twitter saying some positive things about it, and I was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll give it a look. I've been surprised before with the with horror movies. Like the Unfriended series, for instance, like I thought that I would hate those movies and I ended up really liking them. And the same can be said about Host. It's a movie that is a very simple premise. It's six friends who are in lockdown in the UK uh, during the pandemic and they all they want to reconnect. They want to stay connected and, and still have fun together. So they meet on a Zoom call and hire a medium to do a seance. But oh, bad idea. Yeah, the problem is one of the friends decides to be a butthole and make some uh-huh. stuff up about a about a fake ghost, like a person who died in her past, like a classmate. And mm-hmm. and and what this does is it actually just opens up a door for any old spirit to come through, and wouldn't you know it, a mean one comes through. Uh, the demon spirit ter- terrorizes all the people who are on this zoom call and mm. you would think like the, the other thing with like the whole like pandemic movie thing is like, I'm like, how good can the effects be? How good can any of it really be? But Holy crap. Like the effects work in this is actually really freaking good. Like there's CG in it. There's a lot of practical effects work in it. There's like, Things floating, things moving, people getting like picked up in the air and choked and like all kinds of stuff that happens. And it was so, so, so much beyond what I expected it to be. I think that that was the real surprise. And they use the whole Zoom platform as, uh, they use it as a mechanic for the whole movie, but they use some of the features within Zoom itself as a, a method of delivering horror which I thought was a, a bit of a stroke of genius. So if you're familiar with Zoom, I know most of you have probably had multiple calls on Zoom at this point. Uh, you can do virtual backgrounds with Zoom, right? So you can remove your background and have the screen be whatever you want. You can put pictures there, put a video there, sort of like a green screen, but a little shittier. Uh, well, they play with that. In this, because one of the one of the friends has a virtual background on, and at one point something happens where she moves away from her computer, from her camera. So all you see is the virtual background, but then like she's kind of fading in and out of the foreground. And it just it works tremendously well. So if you have shutter, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend checking out host. The other thing about it, fifty-six minute runtime. This movie gets Look in, it gets out. It, it and the thing is, it's it's enough. There is a lengthy setup. It's pretty much a slow burn horror. So there's a really nice setup where they establish the characters. We get to know these people a little bit, and there's a nice slow build up to the craziness that happens at the end. So I think the pacing is on point, and uh, yeah, it's definitely worth a look. Again, that's called Host. I have a full review up, up for this on the site. Sounds intriguing. I'm very intrigued by the the under 60-minute runtime. Oh, yeah. That definitely makes it far more appealing. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and then then initially. Uh, the only other movie I saw was Again, Once Again, which is currently on Mubi. This is a directorial debut from Argentinian actor, author, playwright, theater director, Romina Paula. She's in, she was in that movie, uh, La Fleur. You know, it's like... 20 hours, hours long, long, yeah. Yeah, 27 hours. It's 13 weeks long, I think. Uh, she's also in like a bunch of Matthias Pinheiro movies, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so her debut is on movie. You can watch it on there. And it just it mostly focuses on that she plays a a mother of a three-year-old son. And she's kind of like in this little bit of a crisis with uh, with her relationship. She moves back in with her mother, and then it's kind of split up where she's kind of like part daughter now and part mother. And she's kind of like inching her way out and like hanging out with her friends and stuff and trying to gain some independence and trying to figure out what to do with her life. And it's kind of just, you know, like this midlife crisis deal, really where she's trying to figure out what's going on and what she needs to do. And she really doesn't know what to do. And for the most part, it's, it's an okay movie. It, it didn't wow me in any way outside of like the writing. The writing is really good. Um, there's an interesting stylistic choice, which is uh, a number of characters throughout the movie. They will kind of give this like little bit of a monologue in front of like a projected picture, like a landscape of some kind against like a wall, which is kind of interesting. So yeah, it's, it's all right. Didn't wow me. Okay. And that's again, once again, uh, the, the only other one that I'll mention and again, I can't talk about my opinions on it just yet. Cause it is under embargo. Uh, I'll be covering the Fantasia festival this year remotely. This is a huge genre film festival in Montreal, and we've covered it many, many times in the past. It's one of my favorite festivals, actually. They always have a really great lineup. And uh, so I started some early viewings of what's being offered. And again, I'll, I'll just, what I'm going to do is just tell you the movie and read the synopsis. And just kind of put it out there because I feel like not a lot of people even know that this exists yet. Cause I asked Chris about it and he's like our resident Japanese movie expert and he hadn't heard of it either. So the movie's called crazy samurai Musashi. It's directed by Yuji uh, Shimomura and Yuji Shimomura. He hasn't directed too many things. He recently directed reborn a movie starring tax Sakaguchi, which also stars in this movie, but uh, Yuji Shimomura did a lot of stunt work on some really high profile movies. And he, he did the returner. He didn't direct it, but he did like the stunt work for the returner. Remember that movie? It was like, it was like the, it was like the Japanese matrix. I really, I really loved that movie. I want to go back and rewatch that. I bet it does not hold up. Oh my God. As soon as I saw the, you know, the poster, the cover, or whatever, yeah, just like, yep, that's a, mm-hmm. it. Was yeah, just, it was like definitely. really like over stylized, crazy sci-fi action. 
lots of oh, uh, yeah. if i remember correctly there was like bullet time in it or something lots of cg like rough looking cg work oh you can tell i mean he's got the full leather duster mm-hmm. you know there's bullet time in that movie i want to rewatch that anyway back to crazy samurai musashi the synopsis is this film taken around the time of out of deluxe which or out and deluxe, which I don't even know what out and deluxe is. Like I researched it, I tried to figure out what out and deluxe is. I have no idea. It does, that just it doesn't doesn't really even make sense. No. As a, why are those words together? How is that a period in time? Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, it consists of the most famous battle of the swordsman Miyamoto Musashi in this seventy-seven minute one scene no cut action sequence. Miyamoto, played by Tak Sakaguchi, defeats 588 enemies, one after the other. There's no room for error, no room for corny or unconvincing moves. That's all I'll say about it. Just putting it out there. Uh, we might even we might do a Fantasia Fest episode on the show and talk about it. If not, I'll definitely be talking about it w- more when it um, officially comes out. But just uh keep an eye on that one. Oh yeah. No, I definitely want to see that. All right, let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week. On August 4th, we have Ride Your Wave. This is a Japanese animated film. Okay. Looks pretty good actually. Kind of interested in that. Starlight. Not sure what that is. We got Crushed. I feel like that movie's come out like five different times. But it's coming out again. Probably. Crushed. Uh, the Stand, How One Gesture Shook the World. That's a documentary about the 1968 Olympics. Uh, we have Limbo. A murderer finds himself on trial in hell, caught between a bitter prosecutor and an inexperienced defense attorney. Uh-huh. We have Red Penguins. That is a, another documentary about the uh, the famed Red Army hockey team. We have, on the 6th, La Lorna, which is on Shudder. We have The Tax Collector on the 7th. This is, uh, this is a David Ayer movie starring, okay. starring oh, uh, is it? Bobby Soto and Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, okay. Oh, Shia LaBeouf vehicle. Yeah. Watch They're... out. Watch out now collecting taxes i'm not so sure about this one it looks like a very yeah, it looks it like a, it looks bad. like a david air movie for that's for sure <laughs> uh also on the seventh we have the secret garden this is uh obviously an adaptation of the classic work from the producer of harry mm. potter and paddington colin firth's in this bad boy don't watch out yeah i'll skip that i never uh i don't know i never liked the secret garden like the story. Just I've, never... I, have, I have no idea what the secret garden is. You never watched any of the movies in, in school at all? I remember we watched one of the, I don't know which one, but there was some version of it that we watched in school at some point. That's a shitload of the secret garden movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. There's tons. Tons. My God. We don't, yeah, we don't need any more. Let's, let's just be done with it. Unless you're going to do something like, Put a twist on it, you know? Make it a horror movie. Folk horror movie Ooh. or something. Whoa. Uh, okay. Uh, we also have Spinster starring Chelsea Peretti. It's a comedy. Romantic comedy. Mm. 
She's really funny, but that movie just doesn't look. It looks a little bit too sentimental. Like it just looks a little too sappy. Gotcha. We have Boys in the Wood. We have Sunless Shadows. This is going to be a virtual theatrical release. I used to go here. This is a comedy with uh, Gillian Jacobs. Oh, yeah. That's the new Chris Ray movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could be funny. It's about a woman who goes back to her, her old college. Jermaine's the old professor. Though. He's a former professor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jermaine Clement's in there. Mm-hmm. So could be funny. Some good people in it. That's pretty much it for VOD. Blu-ray this week. We have... Swallow, this is a movie that came out earlier this year. I'd recommend it. It's a pretty creepy little thriller about a woman who has, uh, shoot, I can't remember that, that disorder where you eat things. All sorts of things, too. Yeah. Did you see this? No, I didn't. I heard a lot about it, though. Yeah, it's, it's worth a look. It's definitely worth a look. I, I really enjoyed it. Shanghai Triad from 1995. Promare, which is a Japanese animated film from earlier last year. That might be coming out for the first time in the U.S. I'm not sure. House of Hummingbird. The Swimmer from 1968, starring Burt Lancaster. That's an interesting movie. That's the one where you said the guy is, he just goes across his neighbor's swimming pools, right? Yeah, he just takes the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's, there's a short period of time where he acts like a horse, too, though. Very, very, very intriguing, that one. Uh, Ride, <laughs> it's an interesting movie. Ride Your Wave is also coming out on Blu-ray. Toto the Hero is coming out. That's from 1991. Satan's Slaves from 2017 is coming out. That's on Shudder right now, so if you have Shudder, you can watch that. That's, that's worth a look. That's a pretty interesting one. The Soul Collector from last year. Mm, a movie called Coma, which I'm not too familiar with. That's pretty much it. Not a whole lot on Blu-ray wow. this week. What about Criterion? Do so we have anything going on with the Criterion collection? We have a, uh, a re-release on the Blu-ray. It's been in the Criterion collection for quite a while. The Lost Honor of Katharina Bloom. This is, uh, in my opinion, a very underrated movie, underappreciated movie, from uh, Volker Schlondorf and Marit von Trotta. And also underappreciated performance from uh, Angela Winkler. This is a really good movie. If you haven't seen it, I, I would say definitely check it out. It's uh, a, a young woman uh, spends the night with an alleged terrorist, and because of that, like her whole world is thrown into disarray. Hmm. This is actually like one of the first Criterion's I bought. Wow! As a, as a teenager. Cool. Uh, well. I think that'll do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. We'd appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>